Hello and welcome to another episode of the League One Lowdown. It's been another busy weekend of football in England's third tier. We have plenty of stuff to discuss, including Oxford's win over Wickham, Bristol Rovers having a new manager. We look at Portsmouth's resurgency and Ipswich's poor run of form and plenty of other stuff. Merry Christmas to all our followers listening and Merry Christmas as well to Alex and Joe. But it's quite a good job that they are away from each other uh, for this podcast, given their what happened on Saturday. How are you, gentlemen? But first of all, Merry Christmas to the, the pair of you and me. Yeah, happy Christmas, Alzi. Yeah, I'm, I've been better after Wickham's disappointing loss to Oxford on Saturday, but I'm currently on my way to Alexandria Palace to watch the darts tonight, so hopefully that'll cheer me up a bit and I can forget about that for an evening and just enjoy some other sport. Well, that's very, very nice to hear. I think, yeah, you know, uh, still got that very firmly in your mind. Let's hope the darts can take that away from you. How are you, <laughs> Jeff? Yeah, I'm good, but I'm absolutely fantastic, to be fair. Obviously, a great result of the weekend. Uh, can't complain, really. Uh, good man. It's, uh, uh, well, we'll start with Oxford versus Wickham, of course. Oxford inflicted Wickham to their first league defeat since September. It was a game where James Henry gave Oxford the lead, and then uh, three minutes later, Adebayo Akinfenwa was sent off for a, a sh- an incident, really, which you could call stupid on his behalf as he uh, pushed John Massinho. Uh, in the face. Let's start off with the winning corner, if you like, and get Oxford's perspective on this in Josie Trone. Joe, um, your thoughts on it? Was it a a good performance? Do you think it might have been a bigger scoreline? What what do you make of the the performance that Oxford gave on Saturday? Uh, Yeah, it was a a great performance, obviously, to be fair. Like, you know, you can't really complain. Again, once you're heading into this sort of busy Christmas period, you see these, this is is one of the toughest fixtures we've got. Obviously, we can be on top of the league. And I felt as if, um, obviously, the, the red card to Akinfenwa helped us, but you know, ultimately, I, f- I feel as if we were always in control of the game. We had 80% possession, um, 21 shots. I feel as if you know we really limited Wickham and, and nullified their threats. Obviously, you know, you talk about their threat from set pieces; they didn't have a single corner in the game. So, I've, yeah, I mean, I feel as if we outplayed them for the first half, and second half we just sort of managed it as as you would. Um, obviously, playing against 10 men, but. Still feel as if we were just happy with the 1-0 win for the second half. And um, as I said, with um, with Massinho and uh, Dickey at the back, who I thought I felt were rock solid, um, it was it was a perfect example of game management in the second half from Oxford and obviously a great three points heading into Christmas. My next question was obviously going to be about, do you think maybe that you missed an opportunity maybe scoring a few more goals? Do you just think that maybe the result was the, the most important thing rather than, you know, potentially um, scoring a couple more goals against, a, you know, a 10-man against 10 men essentially uh, I'll just take the three points to be fair I, was, I mean I'm, I'm not really fussy we've got a good goal difference um, I think we're on plus 18 which I think is the joint highest in the league at the moment so we, it's not as if we need to catch teams in terms of goal difference I just feel as if yeah we've got, it would have been nice to get a couple more I feel, you know I felt at half time I was disappointed only to be 1-0 up because I knew Wickham would come out in the second half a lot more organised mm. um, and it was almost you know after that red card from sort of the 26th minute to, to obviously half time that was the moment to really pounce on Wickham. And if we were going to get a couple more goals, that was that was going to be the time. Um, we didn't, but we held on in the second half and got three points. So I'm not as, I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, you know, I'm disappointed not to win by two or three, because if you'd offered me a 1-0 win um, the night before the game, I'd have snapped your arm off. Yeah, yeah no, that's a, that's a very, very valid point. Um, obviously, let's look at the losing corner. Uh, let's go to Alex, obviously, give it on Wickham's perspective. First defeat since September, Alex. Um, Akin Fenwa... With with a really stupid red card, do you think that had it had eleven, if you had eleven men on the pitch, you would have got a result? Do you feel, or do you maybe think that um, Oxford were were going to get three points regardless of that, or do you think that maybe 
um, it, the result really wouldn't have changed matters, even if you had the extra man on the pitch. I mean, I'm not, I'm not completely deluded. Oxford were much better team before the red card anyway. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it completely changed the flow of the games. They didn't. They were well on top before, and they probably did deserve to be in front at the time of the red card. But it's, it's frustrating because the game plan was. When it, I'd, I'd be surprised if many teams go to Oxford and have more of the ball than them. The way they kept the ball and sprung it around the midfield was very, very impressive. And I, I rarely see teams at this level do that. I, I watched um. I saw a clip of the full, the goal, like the full, like um, build up to their goal. And I've got to say, they must have had the ball for about uh, at least like one, one minute, maybe minute and a half, just like spraying the ball around the back, like waiting for the perfect moment to carve the, like to carve the, the opportunity. And that's like you've got to give like massive credit to them for that. But that was obviously with eleven men on the pitch, and they were really, really good with the ball. Like I haven't seen a better team like at keeping the ball in the league than them. But they're definitely not this season anyway. But what is frustrating, like was the. the Despite Oxford having all the possession, they didn't really have many clear-cut opportunities. I think we limited them quite well in that sense. But also made like one or two like fairly decent saves. But their goal itself, I think their goal, which Henry scored, came from a goalkeeping error anyway. But what the red card did, it just sort of like nullified our game plan to like hit them on the break, like have the long ball outlet to Akin Fenwick and like tear up to the tear off to the quicker players, Kashkat and Wheeler, and sort of go from there. Like that is what like sort of like we planned to do. Like we knew we were never going to be able to. Um, outpass them or keep the ball for them. It's just when we had the ball, we had to make it count. And then it's just a shame we weren't able to do that because of Akinfenwa. Stupid, stupid red card. What was what, your what, um, you... what, what your thoughts? Oh, sorry, Arzi. What were your thoughts on the red card, mate? Obviously, um, there's been a few Wiccan fans um, calling out Messino as being a bit of a cheat. Like, what, what were your thoughts on that? Well, for, it, it's clever um, one that played for Messino. He knew he, like, everyone knows Akinfenwa's reputation. He, obviously, Messino knew he was in the yellow card. I just wound him up a little bit and then just let Akinfenwa do the rest. It's, I've got no complaints with Messina. I'm only complaints with Akinfenwa for actually falling into that silly trap and getting himself caught up in it and, and um, wound up and sent off. I've got no complaints to the referee. If anything, you're probably looking at more of it being rather a straight card, rather a straight red card rather than a second yellow. I think like, that's what I thought. I think the law is if it, if the contact's above the chin, it's a straight red, and if it's below the chin, it's a it's a yellow card. So I think it was he grabbed him by the neck, from what I can see from that. Um, clip so his second yellow card was probably right but it, I've got no complaints for the red card like the decision to send him off he, without a shadow of a doubt it was definitely a second yellow card maybe you could argue it was a straight red and just acting for him as an absolute idiot for getting caught up into it you, you, you do hear a lot about how sort of Akin Fenway is quite a good professional. I mean, he doesn't usually get involved in those sort of silly antics and, and mind games. Do you think that, you know, it was potentially Oxford maybe playing the mind games or do you think it was just a moment of madness from Akin Fenway, Alex? just think Akin Fenway's an idiot, to be honest. I don't think there's anything more to it than that. I think it, he probably knows he's a bit he's a bit stupid. I remember something similar happened to Notts County, Notts County away about three seasons ago. Um, one, I can't remember if it was one of their centre halves was winding him up, and then he goes up and just airways him for the next challenge. Got a straight red card for that. And then he knew after the game, he said it in his press conference that I made a mistake. I'm better than that. I should be more experienced. And then he said he'll learn from it. And you could say he probably did learn for it up until yesterday, but it is what it is. Like you can no point dwelling on it now. Like we're still top of the league by seven points. It won't be like, the, the losing that game is not going to be what cost us playoff places, promotion, whatever. Like, it's in the grand scheme of things, like a defeat at Oxford, we're going to have worse results than that this season, definitely. Like, it's no shame in losing away at Oxford, in my opinion. Well, obviously, you spoke about it now. Obviously, Wickham did only uh, have the gap cut by to one point, seven points in total is the lead. Peterborough, of course, jumped into second place following their draw with 
Bristol Rovers at the weekend and still do have a game in hand. So they could close the gap potentially within that period. Of course, Ipswich is who we're going to move on to next. They lost against Portsmouth at Fratton Park at the weekend, which extended their run in all competitions to seven winless games. Um, obviously, I spoke about you know Bristol Rovers winning last week at Ipswich, so they're obviously still fresh in my mind. Paul Lambert made comments saying, you know, he admits they're a big fish. He understands that they're going through a real sort of rough patch at the moment, if you like. And they've always been this team to me that haven't particularly impressed me. You know, they, they've almost found a way to grind games out. Um, I think, I can't remember it was between the pair of you said a really good comparison. They do remind me a little bit of Sunderland last year. And I think maybe they could be going down um, this path. They don't seem to score a lot of goals. They seem to be grinding out these sort of 1-0, 2-0 wins that they were getting at the start of the season. And maybe, it, looking back at it now, they were, they were getting a lot of luck. I mean, that's how I feel anyway. I'll go to to Joe first. What, what do you make of it? Are you surprised that they've gone seven without a win? Or do you feel that it's been coming, given uh, maybe that they might be getting a bit of luck at the start of the campaign? I mean, I'm 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 surprised they've gone seven without a win. Like I I always felt as and I, me and like we've all had this conversation before. I think on the podcast and and away from it as well that Ipswich. I'm not really like considering all three of us are sort of in the promotion race. I I, I don't fear Ipswich as much as I fear Peterborough or Wickham or even you know some of the other clubs. To be fair, like you know Rovers or anything. Like I just don't really think they're that great. And um. Yeah, I mean, I, they do remind me of Sunderland last season, where they're sort of a big club. I think everyone expects them to be quite good. Um, I think a lot of their points um, come against teams, maybe giving them a little bit too much respect. You know, when they go to Portman Road, they expect a tough game. I think that was exactly the same last season when teams visited the Stadium of Light. That's sort of been shaken off now with Sunderland now right in mid-table. Um, and I think that's just... You know, teams are starting to go to Portman Road and play against Ipswich without fear. And that's where this run is sort of coming into. I don't really think their squad is brilliant. I think I rate a couple of their players. Norwood up front, I think, is a, a good player. Um, Garber, um, who was at Oxford last season, um, you know, has, has got you know, quality going forward. But, um, you know, I just I just don't think that Ipswich are, are that great. So, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised they've gone seven with that win. That is a really terrible run for any promotion chasing side. But... I'm not surprised that, you know, they've hit somewhat of a rough patch now. Alex, you've obviously spoken to me and Joe sort of away from, you know, recording the podcast. And you've said before that they're a side who haven't really impressed you. Um, you know, with Wickham, obviously, as Joe rightly said, all three teams been in the promotion hunt. Obviously, one better than, than each, you know, other ones respectively. Who do you fear the most sort of within that? Do you fear Ipswich the most or do you fear, you know, sides like Peterborough, you know, like Bristol Rovers, like... Oxford who are creeping into it. Do you maybe feel that the, if you had to list them, maybe the Ipswich would be at the bottom for you in terms of how much you fear them? Well, after Saturday, I probably would say Oxford are the team I'm most worried about, to be honest. I'm really impressed with um, their, especially with their in possession and whatnot. But going back to Ipswich, I mean, it's quite a tricky one because I think they've got like some very good players to for this level on paper. Like, I think John John Nolan's a good player, Norwood's good, Garber, as Joe was saying, is good. Then they've also they've also got like I see like Junior Donacian getting in their start at eleven. I just think, well, like, how can a team expect to win promotion from League One with like players like him in, in the side? Because I, I think he's just such like an obvious weakening. When he played against us he should have been sent off. Like the only reason he wasn't sent off was the advantage we played and we got a penalty after it. Like he, he committed like a stupid rash tackle that he should have seen red for. And it's just I think Ipswich have got a squad that 
if, if they filled in the half the squad of some of their weak links with better players, they, they would be like a serious force in this league. But I think that partially explains why they're so inconsistent as well. Was when some of their better players don't perform, when they're so quite reliant on them that they haven't got like, would you say like eight or nine match winners to dig them out of a situation? They've got like they're a handful of very good players, and then if they're not on it, where's where's their goals going to come from? Like it's, is there, their home forms in pretty poor as well I, 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 I haven't got any stats in front of me because I'm driving at the minute but I think they haven't won at home since like October in the league or something like it's been quite a while and it's it's literally what um, you said earlier no teams fear going to Portman Road anymore perhaps they did at the start of the season and it's I'm, I'm not worried about Ipswich at all like at this, at this moment I'm pretty confident like Ipswich are not that much to worry about at all for um, us in the promotion race I'm just going to ask you this. The, the final question on Ipswich I'm, I'm going to ask you is, do you think that maybe, you know, the next three games, they've got Gillingham at home, they've got Lincoln away, and then they've got Wickham away. Do you think maybe these next three games, let's say they're, they're winless, do you perhaps maybe feel that Lambert is under real pressure then? Do you maybe feel that the sack's coming? I mean, whichever one of you two wants to answer that one first, be my guest. It's, it's, it's a question that relates to both of you. I don't think they. I don't think they're going to get rid of him if they're still in and around the top six. Like, I, th- I think like, when he was appointed, I think they had in his mind he's going to be like quite a long-term manager. Because I think obviously like the when he was, I think they're obviously like rock bottom of the championship when he got the job. But I think the immediate aim wasn't for him to keep them up; it was to have a sustainable push for promotion this season. I think like they thought like if they can keep him up last year, great, that's a bonus. But it's being realistic, they would the job. So it's all about just working towards getting back in the championship this season and putting what they are together. And if they're still in the top six, they still got a chance of doing that. So I don't think his job's under any immediate pressure until they start really falling away from being in any hunt whatsoever. So do you share the same views, or do you have a little bit, you know, have a different opinion? No, I mean I don't think they're going to get rid of Lambert. I think he's a experienced manager. Um, uh, I don't, I can't see. Like he didn't really have much to play with really in the summer, um, which kind of surprised me. Like they didn't splash the cash. Um, I think that's the one, you know, talk about comparison to Sunderland last season. That's one of the big differences. Sunderland were splashing the cash in the summer and especially January. Um, I, you know, Ipswich are on a bit of a budget after a, you know, couple of tough seasons where they've not really, you know, financially they've been not in the safest of positions. Um, so no, I can't see them sacking Lambert. I don't think who who would they get in that's better than him. I, I can't think of. Too many names, and unless they go on a real, like a really shocking, if this if this winless run carries on to maybe like 11, 12 games, and they're dropping like into mid table or something, then possibly. But I think you know Brum's right. If they're still in and around the promotion race, I still think they'll class that as a fairly successful season if they finish in the playoffs. Um, but no, I, I cannot see them um, getting rid of Lambert at the moment. No. Well, it moves on nicely to Portsmouth, who, unlike Ipswich, are experiencing a, a real resurgency under Kenny Jacket. What a difference a few weeks makes, of course. Uh, they went on a really good run throughout November, and then last week they were hammered at Accrington away. There was cause again for the manager to go, and then they got a real positive result against Ipswich, which has really put them right back in the hunt for for the playoffs. Um, I just want to talk about Kenny Jacket because he's somebody who I've got a lot of admiration for and a lot of respect. I think he's um, finally sort of managed to, to deal, get the team right. I think he made quite a few changes over it. I think the football isn't particularly great, but he does know how to win in my eyes. And I think he's done really well just to, to keep his calm with all this pressure. You know, they'd had really poor starts of the season. Um, they were really looking like a team that was, um, very much 
going to struggle, not live up to the expectations. But they've managed to turn it around really, really well. And I think, you know, the, the Eisners deserve good credit for that in my eyes as well. Um, I'm going to go to you first, Alex. How much credit does, does Kenny Jackett de- uh, deserve, given, you know, he's managed to turn things around there, you know, in quite a short space of time as well? Um, yeah, I, I think he's under a, bit, a little bit of unfair pressure in the first place, if I'm honest. I think the Portsmouth fans were quite um, naive and quick to sort of like jump on him and sort of pretend he's turned into a bad manager overnight after a bit of a slow start because he, he, he hasn't. He's, he's still a very good coach at this level. They've still got one of the best squads in this level and they're still, in my opinion, definitely going to be a, a threat for the promotion places. Um, so I'm not sure in the sense of the fact he's turned it around. I don't think he deserves like brilliant credit like in that way. But the fact he is, um, at the minute, you can definitely say he's getting the best out of the players he's got. He deserves credit in that sense, if you know what I mean. But yeah, Portsmouth are definitely going to be one to watch out for. I'll be, I'll be surprised, like especially this momentum behind them, if they don't, if they don't have a serious push to finish in the top six, and maybe even be dark horses to get automatic promotion. But I, I don't buy into the theory that every team has a flip in the season. Like, I think that's a load of. I just think that's a bit of a myth, to be honest. Like, I, I, I'm not buying into the fact Portsmouth have had their blip really early on because I, I don't think that necessarily makes too much sense. But the fact that they've sort of had a sticky patch and come out and have come out of it and are now starting to show what they're really capable of, they're definitely going to be a team to look out for going going forward into the new year about how high they can finish. Yeah, it's very very interesting. You you obviously say that. I mean, the players obviously as much as the manager do deserve credit. I, I probably should have. Um, added that as well. I mean, they, you know, they've probably got one of the most formed players in the league at the moment, Joe, in, in Ronan Curtis, who is flying at the moment. I think it's not a coincidence where they were not playing particularly great, is where he was sort of not in the team. Mm. Um, how do, what, what do you think the secret of Portsmouth's resurgency in your in your eyes? Um, I don't think there's necessarily a secret. I think they've got a good good players and they're sort of finally starting to come good. I, I think. You know, they they were under a lot of pressure early on in the season. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's unfair pressure. Obviously, they had a bad start. There's no denying that. But I always backed Kenny Jackett to turn it around because I think he's an experienced manager. He's done well at this level. Um, I think it would have been a gamble, personally, to get rid of him. Um, at that time, you know, I think there were real calls after they drew to um, to Oxford, but we barely had, we could barely put out an 11. Um, that was when he was under real, real pressure. And um, they stuck with him and fair play. Like, you know, you look at last season, Oxford stuck with Carl Robinson and uh, that's worked out pretty well this season. I always felt Kenny Jackett, he's a good manager. I just think he needs a little bit of time. Uh, I think he's earned that time at Portsmouth and throughout his managerial career. And now you look at Portsmouth, um, last six games, only Bristol Rovers have picked up more points over the last six games than, than, than Portsmouth. have picked up 13 points, four wins. Um, it's a fantastic run they've been on. Obviously, that little bit of a blip against Accrington where they got uh, they lost 4-1, which suggests they're not quite the, the finished article yet. But, you know, a great win against Ipswich. And you look through their team, they've just got quality. Um, they have got quality, you know, moving forward, you know, Ronan Curtis, Ryan Williams, Ellis Harrison, you know, Marcus Harness and Brett Pittman sitting on the bench. John Marquis as well, not even getting in their team at the moment, didn't even um, come on on Saturday. So they've got quality right through their squad. I just think, you know, if they stick with it, add a, maybe two or three quality signings in January, I think they'll definitely be in around the top six come uh, come the end of the season, definitely. It does seem to me with, with Portsmouth fans, you know, I listened to... Uh, Jackett's interview after the Ipswich game and he said you know we went away to Accrington and um, we were far far too open today we we almost played a bit more of a defensive outlook and and it got us results do you maybe feel that he's had all this pressure on him because the fans feel like they want this entertaining football now look we all want entertaining football I totally understand that we, you know but sometimes it's it's not it's not part of the club is it it's, it's, it's whatever the manager feels do you maybe feel that that's why he was under a bit of pressure 
Um, as much as the results, the fact that the football wasn't quite, wasn't quite great, but he's managed to almost say, look, you know, I've, I've played this way throughout the time in my career as a manager and, and it's got me results. And he's almost, his stubbornness has almost got it working in a way. Do you believe that you too? What, what do you think on that? Yeah, I, I, I definitely I definitely agree. That was one of the reasons why Portsmouth fans were not quite happy with Jacket. Even last season, you know, they weren't really happy with the style of football, even when they were sort of in the top two or three um, in the league. Um, and I think it's all it's, it's almost a balance in that, isn't it? Really, like you know, because there have been cases over the past few seasons of manage, you know, clubs trying to, you know, change the style of play and it not really working. I think, you know, if it's if it's successful, then. It's almost like, you know, because it was almost like on, um, that on, on Saturday, you know, Oxford fans were saying Wickham, long ball, wouldn't want to watch that every week. But at the end of the day, they're top of the league. So, you know, you, you, you know, it's almost that balance in that, isn't it, really? What do you want? Do you want results or do you want, you know, stylish football? You know, it's, it's quite difficult in League One to get both. Um, I think at the moment, Ipswich, or, uh, sorry, Portsmouth um, are on a fantastic run of form. And, um, you know, maybe they're not doing it. You know, in the, you know, might have might have to grind out a few results here and there, like they did on Saturday. But I still think that I still feel pretty confident that that style of football will get them in and around the top six at the end of the season. And I would count that as a, as a, as a successful campaign for for Portsmouth um, when there are you know a few clubs up there um, who are pretty decent this season, like Oxford, you know, Peterborough, Wickham. They're, they're decent sides, so um, I still think. If they get into the top six, that would be successful. Um, but yeah, the style of football is a bit of a, it's a bit of a yeah. I'm not really sure what to what to make of that one. You know, is you know, it's just almost that balancing act, isn't it? Really, you know, it's, it's so difficult to to get winning football whilst playing ticket tacker passing football. You know, it's in in League One, it's it's just a difficult thing to achieve. And maybe Portsmouth fans need to lower their expectations a little bit in terms of in terms of that. But yeah, apart from that, I, th- I still think you know, stick with Kenny Jacket and, and they'll be all right. Yeah, I totally agree about. Um, sticking with with Kenny Jacket. What do you think, Alex? Based on on the question I asked you, maybe you think that that was what it was, or do, or do you kind of hold a similar opinion to what Joe said? Well, yeah, I think he's definitely the best man for the job. Right, he's no manager I think in history for more promotions at the thirtieth than he has. So he's got promotion three times with Swansea, Millwall, and Wolves. Like he knows what it's all about, and he's punk rock. Punk rockers is what it's all about. Um, but <laughs> but no, you know, he's um he's the man to um. Definitely. At the end of the day, I remember saying it before. Um, it's his squad. He's assembled this squad. It's perfect. Like it's sort of like catering to what he wants and how he likes to play. So, if you're getting someone else in to manage Jacket's squad, I just can't see how it could be as successful what it is with Jacket. It's not like he's a bad manager. He's the most successful manager in League One history, to be fair. So you've got to really just let him grind it out. I think I know. I never had really any doubts that they'd be in and around the top six, despite that slow start. But obviously, um having a couple of games postponed and um, that didn't help them so they were always playing catch up in that sense but in terms of points per game I don't think they were really too far behind anyone else and if and then it was always a case of will they win their games in hand and get up and in, around the playoffs and they have done that and that's what's happened so fair play to them but also yeah. on that note lads um, I'm going to have to shoot off because I'm about to get on my train for the dart so thanks for having me on happy Christmas to all the listeners and I'll be back on soon yeah, thank you for your contribution, Alex. Do obviously really appreciate it. And happy Christmas to you again. Um, and uh, see you soon, mate. And uh, have a good uh, have a good trip down the alley, Pally, mate. Cheers. In a bit, lads. Obviously, one result that was very interesting over the weekend was the uh, big game at the relegation. Uh, big game at the bottom, sorry. It was Bolton 3, South End 2. A massive win for Keith Hill's side. I think it's their fourth 
this season in League One. Southend now rock bottom. Of course, they know they will be bottom at Christmas. And as everybody knows, when you're bottom at Christmas, there really is no hope. Still no win for Sol Campbell in charge. Minus 38. Goal difference, seven points. One win this season. It's the, it is the feeling, really, of the lowest of the lows um, losing to Bolton. Uh, obviously, with Alex gone, it's only Joe now sitting on the podcast. Joe, um, let's look at a Southend perspective. As I said, it, for me, it feels like the lowest of the lows. What do you think about Southend now? Do you think that they are you know, pretty much relegated now? Do you think they are gone? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I thought I thought that for a while. To be fair, you know, they've won one game this season. Um, they're just a shocking team, really. I I don't really I, I I knew at the start of the season when I looked at their signings and I looked at the squad that they'd assembled ahead of the season that they were going to struggle. I just didn't see the quality, but even I didn't think they'd be quite this bad. Um, you know, they're currently I think 13 points adrift of safety. They've played two more games um, than Tranmere in 20th position as well. Um, you know that they're, they're going to finish rock bottom in this league. I'm I'm pretty sure of that. Um, and to be honest, I can't actually see Sol Campbell lasting much longer. I think he's going to walk away. I think he's going to. I think he's starting to realise now that you know the job that he's walked into at South End is much much tougher than the job he walked into at, uh, at Macclesfield in terms of the quality of the players in the context of the league. Um, I think he had a goal scorer last season in, in uh, Harry Smith for Macclesfield. He's got nothing really to work with at South End because. Even when you look at their sort of players that, you know, you would you would hope to to dig you out of trouble um, this season. When you look at like players like Simon Cox, I think we've always mentioned as a player, he's not really been performing this season. He was an unused sub um, on Saturday at Bolton. And they're relying on players like Brandon Goodship, who I think they got in from Weymouth in the summer. Um, and, you know, Timothy Dieng, who's their captain. He was the player that, although he scored, I think he gave away a, a shocking mistake. Um, to, to allow Daryl Murphy to score Bolton's third on Saturday. So even the players that you'd hope to dig you out of trouble, the experienced senior members of the squad, um, not even they're turning up and performing at the moment. So it really is just a, a dire situation for Southend. Bolton, though, great three points. And it'll be interesting to see where they can go and what they do in January. They're not out of it yet. They've got a couple of games in hand on Tranmere. They definitely need to win those games. Um, I still feel they're in it slightly. But as, as far as I'm concerned, Southend are dead and buried. Yeah, I, I, I do share the same thoughts on Southend. And it's interesting to think with, with Sol Campbell because, you know, that's his feeling in my mind as well. You know, I think you're right that he could just easily walk. I think, you know, it's even one of these, you know, it's not even five games time where if it's still going badly, he could walk. I honestly do think that if they did lose on Boxing Day, I could just sort of see him leaving. And that's nothing to do yeah. with, with the situation in the club. I think it is as a person. I think he's he's very much a man by his principles. And it's it's not a case of walking away. I think... You know, like he stuck with Macclesfield as far as he could, um, kept them up and even, uh, you know, he, he knew what he was walking into there. I think you're you're absolutely spot on in terms of, I don't know if he's fully known what he's walked into there. Mm. So maybe you might just think I was given false um, assurances. Um, but let, let's look at a Bolton point of view. I mean, you, you had a little brief discussion on them there. Do you believe that they have got enough for survival? I know it's tough given they start with uh, a minus 12 deduction. Um, when, before a ball was kicked and obviously they had uncertainties about even being a football club um, mm. come this part of the season. Do you think that they can stay up under key field? Do you think that maybe it's just too much of an ask? I, I still think they're in it. I still think they've got a chance, but they've got they've played 18 games, whereas Tranmere have played 20, uh, MK played 21, Wimbledon played 21. Um, 
they need to get wins and points in those games in hand. That's going to be critical um, because if they do, say they win the next two of their games in hand, um, they, they'll get up to 11 points. I still feel with a couple, you know, if they recruit quite well in January, um, get a few experienced guys in, they're in the mix. Right now, they're still way, way behind the rest of the chasing pack, but they have got a chance to catch up. They just need to take that chance, I think. Um, they've got decent players. Like I don't think they're, you know, they've still got a lot of inexperience in the team, still quite a lot of young lads playing. But players like Daryl Murphy up front, uh, Jason Lowe in the middle of the park, uh, Jake Wright at the back, who, you know, is, is a really experienced top defender. Um, I still feel they're in the mix, um, but they do need to add a couple of quality additions and they definitely need to get points in their in their games in hand on uh, on, on teams like uh, MK, Tranmere and Wimbledon. Um, I'm not sure who they're against, to be fair. But, um, you know, I've looked at their um, their fixtures coming up and they've got some games against Burton who have been struggling a little bit this season of late. Uh, they've got Rochdale coming up um, not too far away. They need to get points in those sort of games. They need to just win the winnable games pretty much, get the points in those games in hand, catch up a little bit. And if they're sort of in and around the mix uh, by the end of January, they're sort of only maybe five, six points behind or, you know, maybe seven or eight points behind. I fancy them, you know, in the second half of the season to get a run together. I think that, you know, with the atmosphere, you know, they'll get fans in. They'll, I think they'll galvanise a decent atmosphere. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, if, the, if if by the end of January, coming into February, they're, they've, they've closed that gap um, quite considerably, then I would fancy them. But if they're still, what are they, 15 points off now? If they're still that come the end of January, I think I, I can't see it. But you never know. It's going to be interesting to find out. Well, obviously, if they didn't have this 12-point deduction, they would be uh, on 17 points, but their goal difference would... They, they would still be in the relegation zone. They would just be below MK Don. So that's only really Southend saving grace is the fact that Bolton had a, a minus 12-points <laughs> um, deduction. Let's move on now to uh, the news that's come out of League One today. Obviously, Bristol Rovers have found a new manager. It's uh, Ben Garner, uh, the former Crystal Palace West Brom coach. He's worked under the likes of... Ian Holloway and Tony Pulis, of course, two men who are very much uh, familiar at the, uh, with Bristol Rovers. Um, I think the appointment is 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 uh, quite a good gamble to make. I think he obviously applied for the job last year and uh, is a different scenario 12 months on. You know, we're a team who are two points off second place with a game in hand, which is very exciting. I think it's a good first job for him. He spoke very, very well. He spoke about the potential of the club. Um, you know, there's been a lot of players who've, who've praised him. You know, Ricky Lamp, again, the Rovers connection. Worked with him at West Brom, said he's a very good high-level coach. Um, he's been, you know, waiting for an opportunity in management. I think it's been alleged that he's turned down other jobs. It doesn't actually specify which jobs he turned down over the last 12 months. But he speaks well, um, and I, I wish him well. He probably wasn't my ideal candidate to take the job. I said on Holloway last week. Um, for, for the reasons, obviously, that I won't repeat again. But, you know, I'll, I'll give the guy back in. I think he's a good young modern coach trying to move into modern times. So on paper, it fits the bill. Um, the, the, the criticisms I've got, I think, is, you know, he's a manager who I think wants to evolve. He said, you know, he wants to evolve the team, not, you know, completely. You know, he wants to have an evolution, not a revolution, which I think is quite a positive thing. Because um, I think, we, you know, we've got to fourth in the table by not playing the football um, that is exciting. We've got there through determination, grit and guts. As I've often said to you, Joe, and, and obviously Alex and to various other people. So you don't want him to completely change it quickly. Um, mm. I think it's good that he's kept the current coaching staff on board and Kevin Marr 
um, Adrian Tucker and Lee Mansell. You know, they got the setup. They know what the drill was this season. So there's obviously that element to it. But I just think, you know, with January, I think obviously we've got a head of recruitment in Tommy Widrington, who's done a terrific job at the club with Graham Coglin, you know, bringing these players in over the summer on a even more on more restricted budget. So it's interesting to see what, what he does. I'm not sure about his contact, whether we can get players in that, that, you know, maybe, you know, we want to push for it if we'll get the budget or not. But, you know, look, that, that's things I'll have to consider. But, you know, I think there's, there's more positive um, than negative um, with this appointment. I'll go to a neutral perspective, Joe. Um, I'm just going to ask you this first question. Have you actually ever heard of Ben Garner before he got appointed as uh, Bristol's manager? Uh, his name rings a bell. I think he's somebody that's... Um... He, he's he's I think he's somebody that's just around the sort of coaching um, circle. You sort of hear his name crop up as some one of these yeah. sort of bright young coaches that may or may not get a job. Remember a few years ago, the guy who uh, was linked with Oxford, uh, Michael Beale at Liverpool, and those sort of people who they always sort of get linked with jobs. Um, you're never quite sure whether any of these any of these clubs are actually going to take a gamble on them. Um, it's a fair play to, to Rovers, you know. It's a bit of a bold choice. But I mean, I, I quite like it when clubs go go down a slightly different route and give opportunities to to young coaches who have earned their stripes. You know, I've got to say, 39 years of age, Garner has worked at the highest level with some some good managers, some good coaches. He's been around it. Um, he's probably earned his opportunity now to come in at a League One club, and uh, I think he's got obviously got great experience um, with younger players, which I think will be key for Rovers because they've got a couple of really good young talent, uh, some good young talent at the club. I think that's definitely would have come into to, to their thinking. Um, some may argue that it's the there's, you could argue it's the cheap option, but I think it's a forward thinking um, choice by Rovers. And um, if you know, it's going to be interesting as as you mentioned right at the start, it's a gamble. But I think any any um, any appointment is a gamble, and I think sometimes these gambles can can pay off. You know, I think you look at when Luton appointed Nathan Jones. Um, you know, somebody who I think had been caretaker at Brighton again, just coaching roles, youth teams, assistant manager roles. They give him a chance; it pays off. Um, some of some, of course, haven't. Um, but it, that that's part of that's part of it. I'd, I'd honestly rather a young, exciting young uh, uh, young coach than one of the old sort of. You know, managers on the on the sort of conveyor belt, like you know Holloway. I, I still think Holloway is a decent manager, to be fair. But you know, I, I'd rather give an opportunity to somebody who's probably earns it um, coming up through the ranks. And uh, yeah, it's going to be quite interesting to see um, how Ghana does. To be fair, I think it's interesting to say. Obviously, you you spoke, you talked about the the young player element. I mean, at Crystal Palace, he brought through the likes of Zaha, he brought through Moses, he brought through. Nathaniel Klein, all three have had very successful careers. So mm. obviously, you know, you bear in mind with Rovers, there's obviously Manny Essay, who's who's been brilliant this season. Alfie Kilgore, who's, you know, was virtually never present at the back with Tony Craig and the Coughlin. Um, and there's a good, you know, crop of players floating around the under 23s and 18. So that's that's interesting, um, just as as much as well. Um, so obviously we'll we'll move away from that. We'll obviously preview Boxing Day's um, fixtures. Uh, there was a couple of games that stood out. Uh, we'll start with Oxford versus Lincoln. It's Michael Appleton's first return to the Kassam Stadium since he left um, two and a half years ago to take over as Leicester's assistant manager. Lincoln, of course, we know since Appleton has come in, it's not quite hit the ground running. Oxford have had, what, one defeat in 13, I believe it is now. So you, mm. Oxford are the favourites given they just beat Wickham. Is this the sort of game, Joe, where it's a, a real sort of uh, a banana skin for you? What do you think? 
yeah, it's a tough one. You know, I can't say, um, you know, it's 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 definitely got banana skin written all over it, I think. But, you know, with Appleton coming back, I think he'll be desperate to get a positive result for his new side and prove that he sort of made the right decision to move on from Oxford. Because um, it's not really worked out for him so far. You know, you look at his... His stints at Leicester, obviously he did, you know, work with some great players, Mares and, and Vardy and worked in the Premier League. But he's had to come back down to League One, the same level he left um, to take over at Lincoln. I think he'd be eager to prove that he's made the right choice um, by getting a positive result on Boxing Day. As for us, I think, you know, we've obviously got a few players um, out injured. And I think we'll be feeling the fatigue now. We've, we've got had quite a, quite a busy schedule of late. Um, you do wonder whether... This game and the, and the Wimbledon one uh, a few days later might be a couple of games too far for this team. But I, I do have confidence, you know, with the performance we put in against Wickham. I think we'll, we'll make a couple of changes. Matty Taylor will come back in for Mackey. I think you'll you'll likely see uh, in one of the uh, um, one of the next two games, Elliot Moore come back into centre-back. I think you'll see um, possibly Mark Sykes come back in um, on, on, uh, on Boxing Day. So, um, yeah, if we refresh the team and, and we don't look too tired, I think, you know, we're a team with, with great momentum behind us at the moment and uh, hopefully we can get a positive result. But Lincoln, I still think they've got players that can hurt us, like Tyler Walker, especially at the top of the pitch. Um, so it, it will be inter- it will definitely be an interesting game on, on Boxing Day for sure. Score prediction? Um, I've got to be positive after the weekend, so I'm going to go for a 2-1 Oxford win. I will go with a 2-0 Oxford win as well. I think that, you know, that you... Yeah, I'll pretty much sort of add this. I think Oxford have looked very strong this season. I've been quite impressed with them, um, you know, with the, with the football they played, obviously. And you know, you know, you talk about the injuries there, but you've still got a talented team. You know, you've got the likes of you know Brannigan's come back, Henry, um, Fossu. You know, there's obviously Taylor on the bench who um, didn't start against Wickham, so you'd obviously assume that he's going to come back in. But I just think they'll be too strong for. Um, Lincoln. What, what do you make of Appleton? Do you think he'll he'll get a good reception, or do you think maybe he'll get a bit of a mixed bag? What do you think, Jokes? It's quite interesting, isn't it? Uh, no, he'll get a good reception, mate. I think it, you know he's still very much held in high regard at the football club um, for what he did uh, during his uh, three seasons in charge. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are a few. You know, a few might um, still hold a little bit of bitterness about him leaving for an assistant manager's job, but no, I think 99% will be very welcoming to Appleton. Um, although not too much, because we definitely want to get that three points uh, on the board on, on Boxing Day. No, of course. Uh, the pick of the bunch, obviously, is Portsmouth versus Wickham. Two sides we've spoken a lot about in this particular episode of the podcast. Um, obviously, we saw with Wickham their first defeat since September. Probably not the best team to play when you've just got beaten by a, a side who... You know their rivals with and in a promotion scrap. Obviously, as we know, Portsmouth are tenth in the league, but they're very much right in the thick of the playoff contenders. Anyway, um, I'm going to go with a one-nil Portsmouth win. I think um, I'm not going to say you know Wickham now hit a sticky patch. I don't think that at all. I just think um, that, that Portsmouth. I think when they really can, they can they can turn it up. And as I talk about, you know that you know Jackets almost adopted this football where it's it's effective football. It's, it, it's obviously getting results the way he's played and he's played for his whole career. But I think that's how you, you might have to play against Wickham now. You know, you, you, you've got to almost try and be really effective, be a bit streetwise, you know, and be patient as well. You know, Portsmouth are particularly good starters in games. So I'm going to go with, with a 1-0 Portsmouth win, Joe. You, you've obviously got the Wickham game fresh in your mind. Do you see Wickham getting back to winning ways? Or do you see Portsmouth, you know, 
maybe you know putting the putting the the knife in the wound more, so to speak. Um, it's a difficult one to predict, really. I don't think Wickham played particularly well at the weekend. Um, I think they're obviously uh, Dom Gape went off injured inside the first ten minutes, and I don't think he's going to be back for the next game. So that is a big, big loss. I think he's a key component to the way Wickham play. Um, Akin Fenmore obviously at the top of the pitch is going to be suspended um, for this one. So it's going to be interesting. But to be fair, Wickham, um, I, I bounced. I, I, I back them to bounce back. I don't. I don't know whether they'll win. I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit and say a draw. Um, I think Portsmouth obviously are an informed team. I think they've been good at home. Um, Wickham obviously in the back of a defeat. It'll be interesting to see how they react to that. But I, I do think they'll. They'll. I don't think they'll lose two on a trot. I'd be surprised. To be fair. So I'm going to go for a one-one draw. We talk about the top end there in Portsmouth and Wickham. We now go at the bottom, Southend versus MK Dons. Southend, of course, yet to win under Sol Campbell, as I mentioned earlier. MK Dons haven't really turned uh, their form around since Paul Tisdale left the club in early November. Russell Martin, the gaffer these days. I'll start with you on this one, Joe. It is a, a six-pointer, so to speak. Um, how do you see it going? It's at Roots Hall. Southend, pretty awful at home, yet to win as well. And they did beat MK Dons early in the season. So mm-hmm. um, that's something that's still going to be very much in the players' minds. Do you think that um, a win's going to happen for Southend at home, or do you think otherwise? No, I mean, I don't know. The, the reason why I thought this was interesting, this game, is because obviously MK are the only team that Southend have actually beaten this season in the league. And I think there might be a little bit of nervousness from an MK Dons perspective coming into this, knowing that. And also knowing that this is a huge, huge game, a huge opportunity for them to pick up three points in their bid to stay in the division. Um, not really one they can afford to drop points in in the grand scheme of things, because, you know, let's be honest, Southend have been the, the whipping boys of the division this season. Um, I, I, I do back MK Dons to get that win as well. I think, you know, we saw it obviously maybe Oxford a couple of weeks ago. They looked decent. Um, didn't look like a side, in my opinion, that were um, a, a bottom of the table side. They looked you know, nothing special, but I thought I think they looked like a side that could get out of trouble. Um, Joe Mason at the top of the pitch was really, really impressive for them. Um, you know, very uh, dynamic and agile and was making things happen. So I do think the MK Dons will get a win. I'm going to go for a, I'm going to go for a two 0 win for, for for MK. The, the the way that Southend are gifting goals away at the moment and mistakes all over the pitch is just I can't see them even buying a win at the moment. I'm going to go with an MK Dons win, but I'm going to go with 3-1. So it's obviously sticking with the two-goal margins. I think, you know, Southend, I think when it just seems like, you know, when they concede one, the floodgates just really open. They just, you know, capitulate. Um, they, you know, they, they they are the whipping boys in this division. I think you're actually spot on. Um, it's interesting with, with MK Dons, obviously, because they haven't really played anyone yet under Russell Martin's tenure. That's so really, you consider a massive game, apart from... Um, obviously Bolton, but they are cut adrift at the moment. I mean, you know, he's he's lost to Bolton in the league. They lost to Rotherham narrowly. Um, they drew with Doncaster away. They obviously beat Oxford, as you mentioned, lost to Gillingham at the weekend. So maybe this game, you know, is the one where they actually do, you know, show fight and do turn up. And, and, and you know, if this is at the moment their biggest game of the season. So that's why I said a, a 3-1 win to MK Dons. And that's all we've got time for on this week's episode of the League One Lowdown. My thanks is with Alex Boom, of course, who's not here to uh, say um, his goodbye. Obviously, he had to leave early into the podcast, so thanks for his contributions, and uh, 
thank you to Joe for more importantly staying on the podcast and uh, bringing your brilliant wisdom and contributions, mate. It was an absolute pleasure. So thank so you for it's, that. Yeah, it's nice that at least one of us is committed to, to staying the course. <laughs> Um, I think I think he's just a little bit jealous that uh, Oxford beat Wickham. I think he's just he's, he can't get over it, can he? He just cannot <laughs> get over it. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway. Have, have a great Christmas, mate. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's good to chat again. Yeah, thank you very much, and uh, have a great Christmas back to you. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast very very soon. Uh, as I said at the start of the show, Merry Christmas to all our listeners and to all our followers. Uh, follow the Twitter page at L1 Lowdown for all the latest news from the third tier. The podcast, of course, will be out on Spotify and the various platforms. Well, we will see you soon and have a great Christmas. Bye for now.